Welcome back to the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'm here to give you guys a quick episode uh, regarding the current race for all the ladders at the moment. Uh, Well, the ladders I want to talk about, actually, not all of them. Uh, The six-man-of-the-year race, the way that's going at the moment, the rookie-of-the-year ladder and what's going on with that, um, the MVP ladder, and uh, the most improved player odds. Right, some of these are from NBA.com that are provided, and others that I don't find on NBA.com, they're going to be provided by uh, Vegas Insider Odds, which I'll get into as soon as I get into this episode. But without getting too distracted, let's get right into it. So yeah, I want to start with the Kia Rookie Ladder, which is provided by nba.com so at least we get a nice uh, update from the actual nba itself right and not having to look at uh vegas odds or any other odds website unfortunately for some of the other awards um i was forced to look at the odds websites um but it's fine you know it's still good to see kind of the way things are being predicted, right? The way things are being projected. So I'm starting with the rookie of the year odds. And at first, you know, when the season started, I actually did um, a pre-season pod kind of predicting all the awards. Uh, Some of them aren't looking good. Others are looking pretty good to me. Uh, Well, actually, I think only one (laughs) at this point. Um, But it's crazy um, because especially for this award, the rookie of the year, so it obviously started, everyone had Paolo Bancaro as a lock, and I had that episode, like I said, talking about, yes, Paolo Bancaro is probably the safest bet because of responsibility on the team, which is something I talked about on the last pod, um, just obviously uh, carrying a big load for a team as a rookie, uh, basically, you know, having the ball a lot and really being the focal point of the team itself for the Orlando Magic. And that's why I did say, if you're going to throw money on a player, um, your safe bet is Paolo Bancaro. Um, But my prediction was actually Ben Matherin, right? Benedict Matherin uh, for the Indiana Pacers. And, you know, it was, it's been a tight race between the two, right? You see the two kind of, you know, it was Paolo Bancaro at the top for some time. Uh, Obviously, the season is still in the early stages, but, you know, we start to see uh, the shifts in the order of the rookie ladder. Um, And, you know, I want to get into this, right? So at number one right now for the Kia race for the rookie of the year is Ben Matherin. Um, Season stats for Ben Matherin as of now, this this is not the current season stats. This is from the article. The article says that the stats are through Tuesday, November 15th right, which is about seven days from the day I'm recording this podcast. So Ben Matherin, right, season stats, 19.9 points per game, 3.9 rebounds per game, 2.3 assists per game, right? Um, And the last ladder, it says here since the last ladder, um, he was actually 22.5 points per game. So his numbers dipped a little bit, um, but he is at number one on this Kia ladder. Um, I do want to read just a quick uh, little they have like this a little bit of information for every player. I'm only going to read you Ben Matherin's uh, and Paolo's also to kind of explain why he dropped. Um, so it says here, Ben Matherin has been playing starters minutes 28.2 per game, fourth most on the Pacers, even though, 
And this is the part that that I try to tell a lot of people um, when I'm talking about the rookie of the year race and why, to me, the most impressive rookie to me has been Ben Matherin. Um, he's coming off the bench, right? And and Carlisle is so committed to the plan. This is what the article says. Carlisle so committed to the plan that when second-year guard Chris Duarte got hurt, he flipped the team's other rotation rookie, Andrew Nemhart into the starting lineup just to keep Matherin consistent in his role. And it suits him. He's averaging 25.5 points per 36 minutes, which is better than Paolo Bancaro at 24.5. Now that's per 36 minutes, right? Um, now, number two on this list, I I had my reservations about Jaden Ivey. Um, and, I, and, I, and I talked about this too. I talked about him as well. I said, you know, Jaden Ivey, he could very well there's no it's not like he's out of this race right clearly he's at number two right now on this Kia ladder um but I argued that hey you know if you want to get bang for your buck like not not have to throw so much money at the time when these odds were coming out before the season Jaden Ivey was a pretty good bet um because you wouldn't have to throw as much money to get a bigger return because Paolo Bancaro is like just the lock for most people out here um but I did say Jaden Ivey was an interesting one but I would say that you know if you want to really bank on who like who's really going to win like who you it, it, to me it was really I liked uh, Ben Matherin but the reason I said Jaden Ivey would be a risky pick is because he's going to share a ton of responsibility with Cade Cunningham, right? In that backcourt, the team runs through Cade, right? Jaden Ivey's secondary ball handler, really. Um, so, you know, it, it's really that, right? Like, just, just uh, he's going to have a lot of responsibility, obviously. Um, but it does, you know, sharing the responsibility with Cade Cunningham can really take away from his ability to put up stats. Now, the season stats, as of this article... Uh, again, remember, not current right now, but as of this article, 16.1 points per game, five rebounds, 4.1 assists. Um, he, I'll even read the the part here. Playing without backcourt mate uh, Cade Cunningham, because he had a sore left shin, which by the way, yeah, has been the issue uh, with these Pistons and they've dropped since. Um, but uh, Ivy notched his first 20-point performance and then immediately did it again with 26 against Boston, followed by 21 Monday against Toronto. Against the Raptors, he had eight assists and four rebounds, with Toronto coach Nick Nurse switching 2022 Rookie of the Year Scotty Barnes onto Jaden Ivey in the fourth quarter. Uh, Pistons coach Dwayne Casey, uh, this is what he said about uh, Jaden Ivey. His speed was the difference of getting into the paint and creating th creating things for other people. Now, I want to get into this part, right? I would have felt, if, if Kate Cunningham wasn't on the Pistons, I probably would have uh, locked in uh, Jaden Ivey. And that was because I did have a feeling that Ben Matherin would not be a starter on this team. Uh, there's just a lot of guard play on the Pacers, which is something I also talked about when I was breaking down the Pacers in that series of why uh, the teams to watch, like the reasons to watch each team. And, um, you know, it's it's really one of those things. Uh, if if Cade Cunningham was not playing for the Pistons for some, ra in some random universe, Jaden Ivey would put up some crazy numbers. Um, he definitely has that capability. Um, but again, you know, obviously Cade Cunningham out of the lineup, so it's going to really show Jaden Ivey a lot, right? He's really going to put up some numbers. So Paolo Bancaro, right, for the Orlando Magic at number three. 
he, I, I didn't think he was going to fall further than that. Um, season stats as of this article, 23.5 points per game, 8.3 rebounds, 3.6 assists. Numbers are crazy. Uh, and this is what the article says, and it's pretty obvious. Bancaro drops only due to inactivity. He missed Orlando's past three games with a left ankle sprain. And I'm looking at this article. This was November 20th. So this was a couple of days ago before, uh, from the day I record this pod. Um, and it came out from Sports Illustrated, I believe. Uh, Duke basketball product likely out at least another week for the Magic, right? So, you know, if if it's it comes down to availability, right? Like that's, that's really what's going to hurt you for a lot of different awards in the NBA is... You know, it, it really hurt Embiid in the MVP race, right? It happens all the time. You hear about that all the time about, well, hey, he doesn't play enough games, right? You have players that are playing all the games or most of them. And then you have some players that while they're awesome statistically and they're great players, if they're not available, that's going to hurt their their case, right? When it comes time to to give someone an award. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's really one of those things. Um, it, it's the ankle... He injured the ankle in summer league, um, but he's a really tough player. He's very durable. Um, you know, it was one of the reasons that I said he was a safe bet. He's just a guy that you know he likes to get his touches in the post. Uh, he is athletic, uh, so I can see him hurting his ankle here and there. Um, but he's definitely a safe bet. He's definitely been a durable guy, strong player. Obviously, puts up just crazy stats. If you play FanDuel, like these daily fantasy leagues, and you happen to be able to grab Paolo Bancaro, it's, you're good for 20 and 8, right, <laughs> on a given night. So, um, you know, interesting. Obviously, I was not surprised to see him fall to 3. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give the next two names here just to give a top 5 for the, for the rookie ladder race. Keegan Murray. And this is where the stats really start to fall off, right? Um, and it goes hand in hand with what I was saying when I did my Rookie of the Year prediction with Keegan Murray. Uh, season stats, 12 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, 1.1 assists. Again, guys, from the day of this article, not current stats. Uh, so, you know, it's he's been, he's been good. He's been struggling a little bit, right? Like, he... He's on a team that has a lot of names. That's what I was trying to explain when I was giving my Keegan Murray take. Now, you guys can go back to my Summer League coverage uh, pods. I did a bunch of Summer League uh, podcast episodes, um, basically just breaking down games for Keegan Murray, breaking down the game against Paolo Bancaro, breaking down Jabari Smith Jr., Chet Holmgren, um, even Josh Giddy in Summer League, uh, Josh Christopher from the Rockets, Ty Ty Washington, without getting on a tangent. But yeah, if you guys are interested in kind of seeing how the Summer Leagues went for some of these guys, go back to those episodes and listen to them. I'm breaking down uh, the way the games were unfolding, uh, what I was seeing, uh, just watching the games on League Pass. Uh, they were I thought they were really entertaining episodes, especially for, for some of you people that want to know a little more about how Summer League went for these prospects. Um, but yeah, so... What I had said was Keegan Murray's on a Sacramento Kings team with a lot of young talent, right? You have, obviously, Damana Sabonis, basically a vet, right? Uh, but you have De'Aaron Fox. You have Davion Mitchell, Kevin Herter. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank right now, so I, I can't really... I'm not really remembering uh, all the other names. But, you know, it's a lot of young names, and when you're a rookie 
your responsibility is not going to be big unless you're on a really bad team. But this is a Sacramento Kings team that's been solid this year. Um, off to a bad start, but they've turned it around, right? They get really hot. They play good defense. They're well coached, obviously, with Mike Brown. But my my thing with Keegan Murray was probably stay away from this bet just because of the fact that the way he played in summer league, the way he played in college, just the type of player that he is, he's not going to force things. He's not going to take a high volume of shots. He's going to be very efficient, but he's not going to really demand the ball. He's not going to play outside of himself. So his stats will suffer. That alone, like just the way that he he's a very, very team player. Like he he does not step on other players' toes. He fits systems very well. Very Spurs type of player. I, I broke that down a lot when I was breaking down Keegan Murray during Summer League. But, um, you know, that type of player isn't going to win Rookie of the Year. You know, you need to, if you're going to win Rookie of the Year, you need to be the Paolo Bancaros, the, the, the Jaden Ivies, the, like I said, the Ben Matherins, just guys that are just going to get buckets and... And just find other numbers on the stat sheet, right? Whether it's rebounds, whether it's assists, whether it's steals. These are things that Paolo Bancaro, Jaden Ivey, and so far Ben Matherin have been able to post, right? Keegan Murray, just nice little piece so far. I def and, and I even said he could end up being the best player in the draft. I mean, that's how highly I thought of him uh, during summer league uh, and before the draft. So you know, no, no, no shade on on Keegan Murray whatsoever. It's just different situation for him. So um, yeah, don't want to get too distracted. But another kind of slight, I told you so. I see Jabari Smith Jr. here, uh, number five, right? Which you know, to anyone, oh wow, top five. But again, same thing, right? He struggled with the shooting. Right, so I'm actually reading here, uh, 31% from the field, man. You know, and and the three point shot is a struggle. Um, you know, just this is uh this is the stat line as of this article: 10 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, and 0.8 assists per game. Now, this is a dude that defends as well, right? A lot of things he does don't show up on the stat sheet. He's very active. He uses his length. He has good energy. Um, really helps a uh, very switchable player on defense you know he can guard a lot of different positions but on a team like the Rockets and I told you guys this is a player you want to stay away from uh regarding bets right because he's coming on a team that's just shot chucking isolation basketball and Jabari Smith Jr. is going to end up in the same scenario that he was at Auburn and I talked about that when I was talking about the Rockets as well I did I wasn't happy about Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, getting drafted to the Rockets purely because he's just going to be standing in the corners, standing somewhere waiting for catch-and-shoot opportunities, and it's basically Auburn 2.0, right? Just the guards ball-hogging, uh, isolation basketball, shot-chucking, and then Jabari Smith Jr. just kind of like getting his shots up in, in, in bad situations. Um, you know, it, it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle for him. Uh, but I want to move on to the next award. The next award is going to be the MVP ladder, right? This is the Kia MVP ladder, also uh, NBA.com, right? So legit, this is straight from NBA.com. So let me read these off. Uh, number one, uh, I understand, uh, but I disagree with it right now. I see Luka Doncic here, right? Season stats. Now, this article, sorry, I forgot to tell you when this was posted. This is more recent. This is November 18th. 
So this was a little more recent. So the stats for Luka Doncic as of November 18th, 34.4 points per game, 8.8 rebounds, 7.8 assists, right? The NBA's leading scorer during this point in the article. Uh, and this is what the article says real quick. Doncic is carrying the Mavericks. And then they put the, the parentheses, the record eight and six, right? Who are seventh in the Western Conference. Although the 23-year-old cooled down somewhat after dropping 30 points or more, in the first nine games of the season, he put up 42 points and 35 points in wins over Portland and the Clippers on Saturday and Tuesday before sitting out of Wednesday's loss to the Rockets. Jeez, losing to the Rockets. Who, how does that even happen? But anyways, it says here, Doncic's dominance is highlighted by a career-best efficiency as his true shooting percentage, 60.4%. Right? I mean, it's crazy. And, and I did say, hey, like... This dude is going to have a crazy statistical season because no Jalen Brunson, right? So now the ball handling responsibility, I thought there would be uh, less usage on Doncic. I guess I was a little wrong about that. Um, I did think the stats would be, uh, obviously they would be more inflated, but I I also thought for some reason that there would be a little less usage uh, because I felt like if there's no Jalen Brunson to handle like second man uh, you know, just secondary ball handler responsibilities that it would be more more team help overall, right? But clearly, Luka Doncic is just, just carrying this team up and down. Um, now, the reason I want to disagree with the number one uh, on this ladder, right? Yes, he's having an amazing season. Yes, his stats are out of control. Yes, he's literally the reason the Mavs are even above 500 at the time of this article. But I... I just, I, I can't, I can't have number one. I can't have the MVP as number one if they're, what does the article say here at the time of this article? Seventh seed in the Western Conference right now? And I know what people are going to say. Some people argue, well, Vic, MVP is most valuable player, right? Like if you take Luka Doncic off this Mavericks team, they are dog water, right? Like just awful. Do you know what I mean? So, and I understand that. That argument's valid. It's legit because this team would easily, easily be at the bottom. I think so if, if Doncic wasn't on this team. I mean, it's it's very likely. Um, but to me, it's more, I'm just more about what I'm seeing from Jason Tatum uh, with the Boston Celtics, right? And that's the number two guy on this list. So he's right there, right under Luka Doncic. And these are the stats as of this article. 31.1 points per game, 7.4 rebounds, 4.1 assists. Now, I'm not going to get into this mini article about Jason Tatum because I just want to say this. I think the next team I'm going to cover is the Boston Celtics. As a Laker fan, it's going to hurt me to do that, but these this team is just, just playing amazing basketball. Uh, Jason Tatum, I just want to say this. He If, if this is what he's going to do this season, he's going to win MVP. All right, like, because all the projections were that the Celtics were going to start off slow, including myself. I even said that too, because of starting with no Robert Williams, uh, Gallinari gets hurt, obviously, which, you know, he wasn't going to be a big, big, uh, you know, piece of the team, but he was going to contribute. Um, but obviously the the headlining factor uh, besides Robert Williams was the Ime Udoka situation, right? You bring... Uh, obviously Joe Masula into this. And, you know, we don't know what we're going to get from that. But this team didn't skip a beat. And on top of that, 
Jason Tatum just looks bigger, looks stronger. Like, he's just way more aggressive. The game slows down, and he's finishing at the rim better than I've ever seen. Um, his half-court offense has definitely improved. I just I just like what I'm seeing from him, and I'm going to say this. I thought that this was going to be him last year. Um, I did tell some people on the side before I had this podcast that, you know, I thought Jason Tatum's leap year was going to be last season. And he did have a great season, but I was more so expecting this type of Jason Tatum last year. So I was wrong. I was a year early. Um, this is just, this is next level Tatum, you know. And again, if this is him, I mean, I I was wrong obviously so far. Uh, I had Giannis, uh, and I'm going to get into that. But man, if if the Celtics, even if the Celtics were under the Bucks, like just second seed type thing, and this is the Tatum we're getting all year, Tatum's MVP. Like, I don't even think we can debate that. Um, but yeah, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, obviously my uh, MVP prediction. He's at number three on this list. 29.9 points per game, 11.8 rebounds, 5.5 assists. Giannis has been amazing. Statistically, just just destroying the stat sheet. I mean, he always, you know, if you're playing fantasy sports, if you're on FanDuel, daily FanDuel, whatever it is that you're playing, Giannis is just the king of stats, man. He is at the top of the list. Uh, so is Luka Doncic, but yeah, but Giannis is just an amazing player. You, you, you just, you can't go wrong predicting him to win MVP because he just goes hard all the time. You know, like what, even if he's inefficient, the stats he puts up are out of control, which is so special about him. Uh, because a lot of players, if they have an inefficient night, the numbers don't get too crazy. But Giannis could go like six for 19, right? And still, still go for like 25 and, and 15 and, you know, eight or whatever it is. You know, like this dude is just an animal. On the stat sheet, uh, number four on this list, I see Nikola Jokic. Um, obviously, another one of those fantasy guys. Twenty point eight points per game, nine point five rebounds, eight point nine assists. If you want to give him nine assists, this dude's almost averaging a triple double. Um, again, you know, just one of these guys puts teams on his back. Really, the big reason this team is as successful as it's been over the years. But to me, really hard to win MVP three times in a row, right? There's voters fatigue, uh, success becomes a factor, the narratives start to change, players that were quote-unquote supposed to win last year start to get a little ahead in that narrative race. Um, so yeah, that's why I just didn't think Jokic would, would be uh, you know, the MVP this season. So John Morant for the Memphis Grizzlies is fifth. Uh, and I found that interesting because to me, this team, this team was good, obviously last year when he was out. Um, but the team is awesome when he's there as well. Um, you know, this is a kid, 29.3 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, 6.8 assists. This guy is just, I mean, he's arguably the most exciting player to watch in the NBA. Um, he is a leader. He loves to pass the ball. I mean, you could just talk about anything when it comes to John Morant. John Morant, amazing player. What a, what a, just like a, man, like, I know. I mean, I've been to some games, um, not NBA games, but like, uh, I went to a travel uh, for the Broward Legacy. I went to one of those games 
at a high school gym and I, I I've watched some high school games on YouTube, obviously college, you know, what jaw has done just like in the NBA, it's just like the, the kids are really, they have found a new favorite player, right? Just, he has just completely changed. Like there's still Steph Curry fandom, you know, LeBron fandom, but this kid, John Morant is just, he is grabbing quickly the popularity within the youth, right? I really, I, I'm really seeing it. Um, and it's not a surprise, but you know, for me, for him to win, um, you know, MVP, he would have to post these stats like all year long, obviously, uh, for me. And then obviously he has to play games, right? He can't be hurt. He recently injured his ankle, which, you know, it's not a big deal, right? Like those things happen all the time, but, but when you're getting injured, when you're in and out of lineups, it's, it's going to affect your, your likeliness to win an award. Right. So, you know, it is what it is. And I'm sure the award, while it's awesome, right, while it would be awesome for John Morant, I think that at the end of the day, all John Morant wants to do is win anyway. And a lot of these candidates, um, I get that vibe from them, too. So I want to move on to the next award. And that's going to be the six man of the year race. Right. And this forced me to go to the Vegas uh, odds to see this one. And I found something that was really funny. And I think it made news a couple of days ago, actually. Uh, guys, at number one, <laughs> I'm honestly like, I didn't, I didn't even think about it. But Russell Westbrook is at number one. Obviously, it makes sense. But I didn't even think about that. Obviously, he's been coming off the bench for the Lakers. And his stats... You know, obviously, you know, the three-point percentage has gotten better. Um, but, man, let me let me actually go through the stats uh, for Russell Westbrook. Um, just, like, as of right now on, on, on basketball reference, right, for this season. So, it says here 15.4 points per game so far. 3.7 turnovers is crazy. But, uh, you know, one steal, 7.7 assists, 5.4 rebounds. Right. So like like big numbers, obviously, in those categories, especially from someone that's coming off your bench. Right. Because and I wanted to actually compare because the next person in line, uh, I'm looking at Jordan Poole, who I had as my sixth man of the year. Um, now, I'm going to read you Jordan Poole's stats so far this season. Um, and actually, they're sitting at 16.1 points per game. So a little bit just a tiny bit more than than Russ. But the steals. You know, one point, just one steal, right? 4.2 assists, 1.8 rebounds. So that's where Russell is is really uh, winning this race because of the rebounds and the assists, right? It's something we know Russ can tally, right? It's not like he's awful. You know, a lot of Russ hate is out there, but this is a guy that gets stats regardless, right? You want to call him empty stats. You want to call him stat padding, whatever it is, he gets the stats, and that's why he's sitting at number one. I do want to say this, though, for anyone thinking, wow, Russ might win this. Remember that he might also get traded, right? So that could affect, you know, no one thought that. I mean, we knew that there was going to be probably a chance that Russ would have to be tested off the bench. And that's been what we've been seeing. But, you know, I don't think that's something that that's going to last. I feel like once he gets traded, you know, a team might just buy him out, right? Or just let him... Uh, I, don't, I mean, they might let him play, um, and then he could, I guess, keep making his case if he continues to come off the bench for another team. But that Russell Westbrook situation is really unique, 
And it's a little volatile, right? Like, we don't know what that's going to be. Jordan Poole is a secured sixth man, right? Christian Wood uh, is third on that list. Uh, but the only reason I wanted to bring up this was for two reasons. One, because of the Russell Westbrook thing that caught me off guard. And two, at number four here, super interesting because he's number one as Rookie of the Year. And this was something that that interested me the most and impressed me the most about Benedict Matherin. He's number four on this six man of the year list. So I can't imagine it's 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 totally possible that he becomes rookie of the year and six man of the year. That would be awesome. And so I did some digging and I wanted to know who has been a rookie of the year and six man of the year in the same year. Right? So I went ahead and searched and I found this the first ever rookie to win NBA six man award. So so the only one Apparently, Ben Gordon from the Chicago Bulls. You guys remember Ben Gordon? Bright future, career just just went south. Um, but yeah, so basically, I mean, he would be the only other rookie to win six man of the year, which would be awesome for Ben Matherin. And to me, Ben Matherin... Uh, has the potential to be way better than Ben Gordon. Uh, ben Gordon had an awesome uh, potential as well, uh, but it was short-lived, right? So we'll see, you know, but that was that was an interesting little fun fact. I didn't know that until, until I started to do this episode, but I thought it was interesting for you guys to know that too. So really interesting stuff for Ben Matherin. I'm super pumped about Ben Matherin. I'm, I'm de- I've definitely been behind him since Summer League, um, since actually, since before that, since since I saw him play on YouTube uh, for Canada in the U19 FIBA uh, World Cup, right? It was like the it was like that FIBA tournament uh, where I was also watching, obviously Team USA. Um, but yeah, Ben Matherin played for his uh, for his Canadian team. Uh, but anyways, I want to move on to the last piece of this episode, which will be the next award race, the Most Improved Player Award, which seems to be a controversial award, right? So I've seen a lot of different criterias for why people believe players deserve it or don't deserve most improved player. Some people feel like players don't deserve it if they're too old. Some people say it shouldn't be about stats and more about how they affect team success. So what I wanted to do was just Google, right? Most improved player. And I found this at the top, which is obviously Wikipedia, uh, the all-knowing Wikipedia, right? Uh, the player who has shown the most progress during the regular season compared to previous seasons. It's simple enough, and that's the way I kind of go about it, right? I feel like age doesn't matter for this award, and I'm purely awarding the statistical improvement if the jump is big enough from the prior season, right? Which is basically what that definition has. Uh, It makes things easier for myself. It probably makes things easier for the NBA. So it makes more sense in general without having to worry about the politics of, oh, well, he's on a bad team. That's why he's putting up stats or, oh, but he's, uh, he has great teammates, right? To me, it's how big of a statistical jump did you make individually? And that's it, right? Like just don't get too complicated about it. Look at the numbers from last season. Look at the numbers from this season. If it's that big of a jump, I think we can say that he was the most improved, right? It's just that simple for me. I don't get too crazy about it. So at number one, I'm looking at SGA, right? Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who I didn't even consider um, because (laughs) to me, it's like he was, I mean, last season, his numbers were 24.5 points per game, uh, just a little under a block per game, a steal per game, 5.9 assists. So I'm thinking... 
for a guy like this to to get most improved player, it's the same argument I always give, which is like, well, he better have a big jump, right? Like the jump would have to be so insane to me that that would put him right in consideration for the award. And that's exactly what he's doing this year, which I did not expect. I, I mean, I, I thought he was a, a really good player, like high potential, but did I think he was going to start this season averaging 31.1 points per game? 1.4 blocks, 1.8 steals. Uh, he finally got that that extra just decimal difference, right? Six assists. But all those numbers are up from last season. Um, and while the steals, blocks, and assists aren't a big difference, the points per game is a pretty big jump. Now, you want to say, oh, well, you know, it's 24.5 to 31.1. Well, it might not be a big jump when you when you try to sub, like when you try to add the extra points, but when you talk about a player that averages twenty four versus a player that averages thirty plus, it's like a whole nother tier of NBA player, right? Like that's just that's elite level scoring, right? Like that's that's a level that you see from the KDs, the Joel Embiid's, LeBrons, uh, even Giannis, Steph Curry, those kind of players, and he is at that tier when it comes to points per game, right? That's the 30-point-plus tier, right? The Bradley Beal, right? People that just score at elite levels, whether they can shoot or not, the points per game are there, right? So SGA's having a crazy season. Um, again, I did not expect him to make a jump like this, so I didn't even consider him um, for most improved. I considered Tyrese Halliburton, um, Tyrese Maxey, and my guy who I've been wrong about, and he's like all the way down on this list, which I'm I'm trying to find him actually. I can't even. Where is my guy, man? The guy I had Jalen Brunson, man, but golly, I was yeah, I don't even I mean, I don't even see him here. Okay, yeah, he's like way, way, way down on these Vegas odds. So Jalen Brunson, in my defense, just just to me explain why I had Jalen Brunson is because his jump would be probably more attainable because he'll have uh, primary ball handling responsibility on the Knicks, but clearly I didn't take into consideration, like, you know, he's going to be on the team, Julius Randle, right, alongside you, who he has the ball a lot, he puts up a lot of shots, um, he's pretty ball dominant, to be honest, um, you know, you have RJ Barrett on the side, so a lot of ball handling play, like a lot of players that need the ball to be productive on that team, I didn't really put that into like I didn't factor that into my prediction I just thought he's gonna be in a New York market the Knicks I was expecting them to be better this year um so it was more of like a narrative thing like the team wins more than last year Jalen Brunson's numbers are up and it's also the New York market so it was like all those things that I was putting into account but obviously I've been wrong so far uh Shea Gilgis Alexander running away with this award but Larry Markinen at number two I've been I've been down on the Jazz um, since the beginning of the season, and I haven't looked good when it comes to that. Um, it really looks like I've been wrong about this team, but like I said, I'm going to wait until maybe the halfway point of the season when I redo the I told you so's, the apologies, and the hold on takes, um, but they will be the first team that I apologize for my take if they continue to play the way they're playing. So, Larry Markinen, um, just to kind of give you the, uh, the stats, right? Uh, just the jump, right? So, last season... 14.8 points per game. Uh, let's see. Assists, 1.3. Rebounds, 5.7. You know, I'll even give you 
the uh, the percentages, right? So three-point percentage uh, in Cleveland the season before was, you know, 35%. The jump wasn't big in the three-point percentage, but the field goal percentage, 44% last season. Um, and this season, it's, it's at about 54% from the field, which is crazy efficient. Um, you know, the three-point percentage went up a little bit, but the main factor here, right, clearly, is the total rebounds, right? He's up about three rebounds. Uh, he's up about an assist, um, you know, up in blocks, about the same amount of steals, but his points per game, 22.4, right? So not a massive jump from 14, but when you're a 14 point per game guy and now you're in that 20s tier, it is a big jump, you know? Clearly it's due to the efficiencies, it's due to more responsibility on a team that that everyone thought wasn't going to be very good. They've been proving people wrong all along. And honestly, um, I would still say that if this is Shea Gilkis Alexander's season, like if that's what he's going to average, like 29 plus, he's going to win the award. That I mean, that's just how I see it, uh, regardless of whether OKC wins games or not. Um, I don't know how big of a factor, uh, you know, Utah's success will help Laurie Markkinen. Um, I don't want to sound like a hater by saying that, but I just feel like Shea Gilgis Alexander's jump is just way more. Uh, is, is a way bigger leap than than Laurie Markkinen's. Tyrese Halliburton was someone I considered also. He's third on this list. Someone that I'm going to go ahead and look up the stats for Tyrese from last season and this season. So I'm looking at it right now on basketballreference.com, right? Uh, the the stats aren't big leap numbers, right? And that's that's where I understand his place on this list as as the third guy, right? The third guy on this list. So last season, 17 points per game. This season, 20, right? Uh, last season, 3.2 assists. He's about the same at 3.1, a little bit less assists, right? Uh, nine. Ass- uh, I'm sorry, uh, turnovers. Last season, 9.6 assists. He's up about one assist now. So he's at 10.7. Um, you know, so the numbers while not drastically changing, right, from one season to the next, um, you know, it's it's really consistency that that that's out there for Tyrese Halliburton. More responsibility on this Pacers team, clearly the featured guy, one of the focused players, the, the, the guy they trust with the ball in his hands, you know, making the right plays, like I said. I, I've been behind Tyrese Halliburton for a long time. And I thought the trade was a mistake, even though the Kings looked much better. Um, I guess for win-now mode, I would understand bringing uh, Sabonis and making trades for Kevin Herter and things like that. So I understand that side too. I don't completely knock the Kings for doing that. But at the same time, I just feel like Tyrese Halliburton is such a promising player with a high ceiling that it's very risky to trade a guy like that. But, um, you know, I think his place is fine. I think that Laurie Markkinen's jump was is, has been much higher. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, obviously, at the top. Um, you know, I see Tyrese Maxey here. Obviously, he's having a pop-off season. But, um, you know, the stats would have to really drastically uh, look different. Um, and I'm just going to look up the stats right now from last season versus now. And I'm looking at, you know, last season, 17.5 points per game. Uh, basically he's at 23 points per game, right? Uh, he's down in blocks by a little bit. He's up in steals, one steal per game now versus 0.7 last season. The assists are about the same. So his stats are, are generally about the same. Obviously the points per game is like a five point leap, which is a good leap. Uh, but when you're talking about most improved player, when you're seeing leaps like Laurie Markin or, or even Tyrese Halliburton and Shea, 
I, there's just no way that Tyrese Maxey is going to run away with this award unless like unless he just pops off and and just you know what I mean I don't know I don't even know really he would have to just pop off like every other night to to be considered for that I mean it's hard because ball handling James Harden is on your team Joel Embiid needs the ball you know so it, it, those are a lot of possessions those are a lot of touches and you know you're you're kind of like the third banana and if and if uh Tobias Harris is hot that game you know you're 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 also taking a backseat to that so that affects him as well but that's going to do it for this episode um I'm going to try to drop uh w- I'm going to try to have one more uh for you guys during the Thanksgiving uh week uh because like I said I'm going to be out of town uh no promises though I'm going to try to see uh, if I can fit in another pod before I leave. If not, you guys will hear back from me next week. Thank you for listening to the pod. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. <laughs>